Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Amen. Amen. I am thankful that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people avail much. Amen. I'm thankful we can pray a prayer here today and know that it extends and reaches to people beyond what we see or know. People that we will never meet until we get to heaven, but oh, thank God we shall meet them there. Aren't you excited about that? Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that great truth? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the book of John in the 14th chapter, we're going to the Word. It's so good to be in church today, and all our guests, we're so glad you're here with us. It's good to be in church together, and I pray here at the end of the service that you'll come and pray and that you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of Jesus, and the Word of the Lord will make a difference in your life, and all of us will walk out of this place healed and transformed. I never want to come to church and just expect to leave the same. I want to come in with anticipation of what will be after I walk out the doors, that God will be glorified in my life by what I have heard and what I respond in my life to. Amen. In Jesus' name. Now, um, today we're, uh, I, I need to talk about something. So, and, and I need to walk this out and work this out. So there are going to be some strong words used today here in this, and, and you'll notice that here in just a moment. And there's going to be things said today that, that I, I trust that you will understand by the time we get to the end of this message. I, I, I thought about it again today. Um, um, I was privileged to go with Brother Hughes. By the way, it's good to see your mom here, Sister Hughes. Amen. Um, but I, Brother Hughes and I went to an anniversary service that he preached so excellently at, on Thursday night up in Indianapolis, and they gave us a, an itinerary of the services. And so I, uh, when we walked in, and, and it was a trifold, and so I thought about that. Last night, I was, I was coming to, thinking about coming to the pulpit today. As I unfolded that trifold uh, flyer, I, I found out what more was going on, each service and each thing and the next thing. And, and as I opened another leaf of it, I, I, I seen the picture even more greatly. That's, that's somewhat of what today is, and that is what the Word. I've talked to you about this before. Then often the Word unfolds in threes. And so um, today is, is somewhat of that. You're, you're going to see this unfold. And the more that we unfold it, the more that we can see things and the more that we can understand things because God reveals to us things as we are able to grasp them. That's why in the Old Testament that he revealed himself in Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Nissi or Jehovah Shalom or Jehovah Sidkenu, um, because God was revealing, he didn't reveal his name in the Old Testament, but he revealed his attributes. And so he was Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. He was Jehovah Sidkenu, God our righteousness. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. And so each time that God revealed himself, his name, he was revealing the attributes of who he was that the people needed to understand him to be at that moment. And it works somewhat the same here in our life today, though we're the New Testament church and the Holy Ghost has been poured out and thank God for it. And there's the revelation of this mighty God in Christ. Still, nonetheless, there's things that we come into that we need to understand more that I, I'm understanding better now that I could not understand back when I first came around. That God reveals things to me as I read his word and understand it. So today, I'm asking you to pray with me as we walk into the word today that God would reveal things to you maybe that you've never thought about before. Maybe things that are needed in your heart that have not been considered for a while. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing it, even dividing the center of the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. Uh, Why? Because it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It discerns what is in my heart. And I'll say more about this in a moment because my heart is desperately wicked and I don't even know my own heart, the Bible says. So the word of God reveals to me my heart 
and the motives behind it. And it simply says this, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. We're going to talk about purpose. Father, I pray, help us today to understand your anointed word and thank you for it. For your goodness and your grace and mercy in this place and your compassion and that you're not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. And so, Lord, I pray that that would happen here today, that we'd be repentive and we'd find the purpose of the Holy Ghost. And your will would be done and your name would be praised and you would be exalted. And, Lord, hope would be in this house for every individual. It would be felt. It would be received and responded to. So, Lord, baptize us now. Use us. Anoint me and anoint this people. And thank you, God, for your anointed word. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Now, if you would, be exceptionally kind and complimentary to three people. Uh, I want you to look at them and see something wonderful about them and tell them about it. How, how nice they look, how kind they are, how loving they are. Amen, amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. God had given all the judgments to Moses that he in turn would then deliver to the people of Israel, each with its uh, detail and direction that was to be followed. It would be the law. It would be the law of their life. It would, uh, it would be the line of their living that would guide their way from the possessions that would be stolen and restitution that would be made to the altar that would be constructed without a tool to carve a stone to make it fit together. To the relationship, Moses was given all these judgments lost. To the relationship of of a servant to his master and the master to his servant, the order of the sacrifice, to not giving a false report, to not following a multitude to do evil, how to treat their animals, how to treat their neighbor's animals, when to work, when to rest. It was all there. It all had a reason. There was no, there was no wasted space in what God was wanting for them and from them. It all had purpose. God had a purpose in every law and every judgment and every direction that was given. And it was there, <clears throat> it was there securely settled in what seemed to be the center of it all. Something that would reveal the very nature of God and would continually unfold in the story of redemption. He said this in Exodus. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath shall wax hot and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. His words, his words were, were direct. They, they were without question. You will not, he looked at his people through Moses and he said, you will not afflict any widow or fatherless child. And if you do, if you do and they cry unto me, I'm going to hear it and I will kill you. Uh, this was not like the commands of other laws, such as the, the order of the sacrifice or, or making sure a, a mule and an ox didn't plow together. No, th this, was, this was so important to God that he said, if you do not treat them right, then I will kill you. Not, not destroy you, not make it uncomfortable for you, not make you pay a penalty, but rather God said, the God of mercy and grace said, I will kill you. Um, we don't like that verbiage or terminology of God. We don't like to view God in, in that capacity. But God revealed that he was so protective of the vulnerable 
the widow and the orphan, that, that any mistreatment to them would invite the judgment of death. It would continue, look at this, it would continue to be echoed throughout the word. David said of God, thou art a helper to the fatherless. Jeremiah said to do no wrong to the fatherless. Zechariah repeated it by saying to not oppress the fatherless. The father wanted the fatherless to know that they were never alone. God thought it so important that he, that he pushed back all the other judgments, all the other laws in the middle of it. And he said, I want you to understand that if you oppress them and they cry at all, do you understand that wording? If they cry at all to me, if there is the whimper, if there is the breathed prayer of silence because someone oppressed them, I'm going to, I'm going to be angry with you to the point that I will kill you. Because God wanted it to be known how he felt about people how he felt about people that were abandoned, uh, that were alone, that uh, the father wanted the fatherless to know that, that they were safe, that even though the safety and security that the heart of a home would offer was taken from them for whatever reason it might have been, that he would never, he would never abandon them. Yeah. That no matter what man or blood or whoever it might be might do along the way, that he was not going to be like that. He was going to be with them. To those that did not have a name, he was going to give them a name. To those who did not have a hand to guide them, he would hold their hand and he would lead them on. To those who were displaced, he would now be their place. Those who felt no purpose would now be given a purpose. Every one of us, Every one of us, each one of us in this place today at some moment came to the point, or, or at least we must come to the point, that we recognize that more than that of man, we have the desperate need of a heavenly father. As good as my father was, and my father was as good as gold as far as I'm concerned. I have no complaints about my dad. My dad blessed me. My dad affirmed me. My dad was my best friend. My dad was there for me. I am thankful for him. I rejoice in my dad. And I thank the Lord continually that he took me to church. I have no complaints. But as good as my dad was, I still had to come to the point that I recognized that I needed more than him a heavenly father. That we, in fact, that I am, you are the vulnerable the weak, the lost, and the directionless, the one without a home that needs help. I need help. I don't know about you. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all wrapped up and tied up nice and neat in a package that presents itself perfect. No, I, I need help. I need help that only a father can give, that no matter how good or, or bad that we think we are, we all, every one of us, every one of us, man in the pulpit, everybody in the pew, we need saving. I just simply, you simply need saving. That was the message of Jesus. That was the message and the purpose of the cross. It was to give you and I a purpose and it was to give you and I a place. The cross was about purpose. The cross was about a place. No, if you would, please. No, I will, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, John said. No, I'm not gonna leave you. Jesus said this. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I will not abandon you. I will come to where you are. That was, that is, the assurance of the Father. We are not abandoned. We are not alone. Not without direction. Not comfort us. Not without a name. Not without purpose. I stand here today, a sinner saved by grace, telling you, in fact, that I have been given purpose. My life has a reason. Your life has a reason today. 
It might seem minuscule in the grand scheme of all that is in time and eternity. It might feel like that at times it matters very little. But can I tell you, even if it is for a moment, a millisecond in the time clock of God, your life has a purpose. Every time I come to this pulpit and I stand here, I look at people that I recognize. If we are here for just this moment, then thank God for this moment. Amen. Amen. That was the assurance. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, Satan tried to convince Eve that God's way was not right for us. To question everything. Now, I need you to walk with me here. We're going to unfold this a little bit. and may get a little bit sticky, but it's going to be okay. <clears throat> to question everything. To, to wonder, uh, to get Eve to wonder, and humanity ultimately to wonder if, if, if God was really, in fact, looking out for our best interest. To question that. Is he really looking out for you? Is it really the best thing that you, that you don't partake of that fruit? Uh, to question everything, is he, is he really looking out for, for our best? Is, is it really truth? Does it really matter? Is it a heaven or hell issue? Do we have to do it? Can I question it? Can I step back from it? It, it remains the lie that is told to us in this present spiritual climate that appeals to the very base nature of our flesh. It is the same lie. It may be packaged. Everybody still with me? Say amen. It may be packaged differently. It may be, it may be presented with a different intonation, but it is still the same lie that is presented to the spiritual climate that appeals to the very base nature of my, of my flesh. That our way is better or our thinking uh, and defining will be the thing that gives us meaning. It gives me purpose. If I can, if I can take this and I can put it in the blender of all that life is and, and when it comes out, it's going to be better because I put my two cents worth in. And so we, we, we change it and we think that's what gives us purpose. The satisfaction or pleasure in the flesh means that there must be justification in the spirit. I'm going to repeat that because I don't think everybody's hearing this right now. Uh, we think that because uh, there is satisfaction or pleasure in the flesh, then that means there must be justification in the spirit. Just because my flesh feels satisfaction or, or uh, pleasure, it does not mean that it is justified by the Spirit. But my mind and my heart will tell me that. It will tell me that I am justified because my flesh feels like it's okay. That it, that it, that it can be satisfied with all those things and it can have all those things because after all, they're not... Everybody okay? All right, I, I know this is going to get a little heavy for a, a series, but, but it's going to be all right. Uh, we, we take those things and we think and that if I can define it the way that I want to define it, then ultimately God will justify it because that's just the way my flesh wants it to be. Hmm. The wise man said it this way. Look at this. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, that's not me. This is, as a matter of fact, I'm just preaching the word today. Uh, this is the wise man. The wisest other than Christ said this. Uh, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The ways that seem right to my flesh are often the ways that make me wander to death. They just make me wander to death. There is no, there is no, hear, hear me, there is no life in wandering. There is no life outside the purpose of God. Every bit of life that you need, it is going to be found in God. There is no life in wandering. Everybody say wandering. There is no life in that wandering. Uh, God uh, never intended for you and I to be left to our own ways, in other words. He never meant for us to be left wandering as fatherless. Right. To be abandoned, to be fatherless, to, to live in a state of constantly wandering and wandering around. 
Never, never settling on anything, never, never being satisfied, always looking for this and always looking for that and thinking this is going to make me happy and that's going to make me satisfied because we fail to realize, as Paul said, to be content in the state that we are in. Paul said, I have learned to be content in the state that I am in. Why? Because contentment is a learned response. When I was born into this world, took my first breath, I was not content. You were not content. What did you start doing? What did Theo start doing? He started crying because he wanted to be fed. It's the same nature. It just goes on to different feedings. Amen. We, we, we want something to feed us and we're not content. We want this and we want, everybody still here? And we want that and, 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 and give me this and give me that. Amen. When, when, when the apostle was saying, I have learned. I've had to go through some trial and test and I've had to find out what worked and what didn't work and I found out what was good and what was not good, but I have learned to be content in what state by and why. Because if God is with us, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. In that we can be content. Amen. The ways that seem right to my flesh are often ways that make me wander. And God never intended for you and I to live in a state of wandering. That was what Israel chose when they did not accept the promised land that was before them. They wandered for 40 years. Understand this. They wandered for 40 years because of their unbelief. They wanted it their way. They did not believe God's way and they wanted it their way. And because they wanted it their way, they begin to have unbelief and they begin to wander. It was their own death sentence. Uh, 40 years until the final breath of those who doubted was breathed. And then the promised land was found. If you would, please. Uh, the place and the purpose of God can be missed when we seek to satisfy our flesh more than we seek the salvation of our soul. From the perspective of a pulpit, I've seen this so many times. Um, the place and the purpose of God can be missed when we seek to satisfy our flesh more than we seek the salvation of our soul. More than my flesh being pleased and more than your flesh being pleased, what is more important than that? It is the salvation of my soul. If all this passes away today, if there's no more building, no more lights, none of this that we have on a study, God help us to know that we can still be saved. Because there's nothing more important than the salvation of your soul. Amen. Jesus looked at his disciples after he had said some difficult things to them and others that followed. And as a result of those words that he said, and they were difficult things. If you can go back and read this sometime uh, later, uh, they were difficult things to understand. They were difficult things to accept. And as a result of those difficult things, uh, the word said that many walked away from him. And he looked at his disciples and asked them who remained if they wanted to leave also. And this is what Simon Peter said to him in response to that petition that Jesus gave. He said, then Simon Peter answered, if you would please, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Where are we going to go? To whom shall we go? Where, where are we going to turn? What else, what else is there that is better than this? I am asking seas and saint and new person in this place. What else is better than this? What else is better than this? What else is better in, than this in this world? What else offers you what is offered here in Jesus Christ? There is nothing like Jesus. To whom shall we go? There must be a, that must be a part of the mission statement of every one of us in this place. That, that has to be our purpose. His word is our life, our purpose, our identity. It is absolute truth. 
It is the compass for which all of our life is calibrated. I don't set my compass. Hear me. I hope you're walking with me on this. I don't set the compass of my life according to the dictates of the world or, or even philosophy or intellectualism or whatever it might be that comes across the, the desk. I don't set my life by the compass of my life according to those things. I set my life. We have to set our life according to the word of God. And there will be times that we have to take a stand or a stance in our life that directly opposes those things in the world. And can I tell you, when you stand with God, God will never, never fail you. Satan, everybody hear me right now. Satan is using the unsatisfied, self-consuming soil of people's lives to cultivate a culture and a generation that often doesn't want to commit or to sacrifice. And we are seeing it presently. Do I need to repeat that? Satan is, is using the, the, the unsatisfied, self-consuming uh, soil of people's lives to cultivate a culture and a generation that does not want to commit or, or sacrifice in their life, leaving eternal decisions to the will of temporary pacifications and satisfactions. Uh, we cannot leave uh, eternal decisions to, to just pacifications and satisfactions of the flesh. These are weighty matters. Look at this, if you would, please. Um, if our heart, uh, our flesh, if our heart, our flesh is the final authority in spiritual matters, we will ultimately distort his word and his will to accommodate whatever pleases our heart, our flesh. You following this right now? You give it enough time. I know. Come on. If I give it enough time, if I put something into my heart and I leave it to the will of my heart, if I leave it to the will that I think it should be, I will ultimately distort the word. I will twist the word to accommodate my heart. And that's, that's what's at work and at play in this particular spiritual climate, in this particular spiritual generation. Let, nah, let, me, let me put it in my heart for a while. Let me let it marinate there. You let it marinate long enough, you'll believe anything. You leave it there according to your heart long enough, it'll be anything that comes down the pike. Amen. Every now and then, men in this house, every now and then, we have to stand up to the battlefront and we have to look the enemy in the eye and say, you can come no further. That's why the, the psalmist said that, that uh, blessed is the man that has all those kids because one of these days, uh, the Lord's gonna build the house and one of these days, those children will speak with the enemy in the gate. Why did he say that? Because he was letting it be known, gentlemen, here, mothers in this house, there are times that we have to teach our children that you walk out to the gate and you walk out to the fence and you look the enemy in the eye and you uh, look at the border of your life, the, the place where the lines have fallen to you in pleasant places, the psalmist said, and you look the enemy in the eye and you tell him, you can come no further. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we do. This is how I worship. This is how I live my life. This is how I praise God. This is what I sing. This is what I'm going to quote. This is what I'm going to read. This is what I'm going to pray. This is what I'm going to look at. This is not what I'm going to look at. This is what I'm going to do. Why? An enemy, you cannot come in this gate because this belongs to God. Everybody understand that now. Amen. Young people, I love you with all my heart, but can I tell you, you can't put things, decisions of life just in your heart and leave them there. They have to be dictated and directed by the word of God. You have to have the light turn on in your heart so that it can illuminate. Amen. That's why men love darkness rather than light because the Bible says their deeds were evil. We don't like to come up to the light sometimes because the light reveals to us what we need to deal with.
But every now and then, amen, every now and then, Brother Britton, I need to walk up to the light. I need to have it shining as bright as it possibly can and show me the deep, dark recesses of my heart and remind me it is not about how I define it or how I want it, but it is about how God needs it to be in my life according to his word because he is for me, not against me, and he's not willing that I would perish, but that I would be saved. God's not trying to make living for him difficult. Matter of fact, I'm preaching today that it is easy to live for God. Amen. Because I have found out that if I follow the word of God, everything is going to be all right. Amen. If our heart, our flesh is the final authority. If I make my heart the final authority of my life on spiritual matters, I will twist it to fit me. I've done it. There's been times that I've left it to my heart and I got on the, other side out, uh, on the other side of it and I found out that I was wrong. And if you are there today and you found out you're wrong, you need to come to the altar day and repent and ask God to show you what you need to do and ask God to give you courage to do what you need to do. Amen. Because there is nothing more important than the salvation of your soul. The word said our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? If we're not living a life of committed sacrifice to him, then we will wander without purpose. Just walk around. Walk around in an unclaimed spiritual territory that should be claimed for God. His word must become life to us. The final say, that there, there's nowhere else to go. Uh, Peter said, there's nowhere else to go that is better. There, there's nothing that offers this, the life to me that following Jesus offers to me. Too many, too many allow other distractions, desires to lead them away from the one that matters most, from the one that makes everything else make sense. Anybody understand that? God makes everything else make sense. If I don't have God directing me, nothing in this world doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. It doesn't come together. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't bring happiness. Hear me. The energies and excitements and enticements of this world offer quick fixes and short-term highs that, uh, that make us feel better for a moment, but they, they offer no lasting life. They offer no lasting change. They offer momentary highs, and, and, and we have to be careful of this. Everybody on my right, hear me. We have to be careful of this because uh, we, we, we have a, a culture, we have a world that we're inundated with uh, information, and we got things coming at us, and there's every spiritual voice that you can hear out there. Uh, you can't listen to everything on the internet. Oh, man. You can't listen to everything on the internet because not everything on the internet is truth. I mean, not everything you hear is, is, is right. It, it's going to be, you, you got you to go back and you got to line it up. If it's not lining up to the word, don't go for it. Don't put it in your mind. Because can I tell you, you put it in your mind, it gets in your heart. And ultimately, you follow after what your heart is trying to find an appetite for. And the energies and the excitements and all the enticements of this world, they offer quick fixes. They offer quick highs that bring us to a point of euphoria. And we feel like, wow, we've, we've arrived. But can I tell you, you cannot live on that high. Because ultimately, there are going to be lows in your life that the excitement, don't get lost on this, that the excitement of praise and worship will not give you. Right? I'm thankful for the excitement of praise and worship and the energy and the emotion that it brings me. And I love it. But ultimately... There's going to be a day that I don't feel a song and I'm going to need the word of God. I'm going to need the word. Of, I'm telling you, this man stands in this pulpit today because of the word of God. I sing. I love it. We're going to do it. We're going to have all, but I got the word of God. Hear me, young lady in the sound of my voice. You need the word of God in your life. 
Not, not what this world says or man says. You need the word of God because you will be able to endure by the word of God. It will be the thing that you can line up everything else in your life and judge it by the word of God. Because ultimately, when I get to that judgment day, it is not going to be the opinion of another that I have to answer to. And it's not going to be uh, the coming and the going of the fads and the fashions of church realms and denominations. It is going to be the word of God that I am judged by. It is going to be the measuring line, that plumb line that the prophet talked about that I will have to line myself up to and against. And so it must be that I have a knowledge of the word of God so that I might know how to number my days. Apply my heart to wisdom. So I number my days, the psalmist said. Uh, we have a father. We have a father that will not leave us comfortless. He will not leave us to be orphans. In other words, he's not going to let us walk this life alone. He's not going to let us try to negotiate musicians. He's not going to let us try to negotiate this, this unique and difficult time and territory by ourselves. Uh, uh, it must be that we do not abandon him. Right. He won't abandon us. Right. We cannot abandon him. Right. Jesus stood viewing. He stood viewing the moment that was before him that he had come to this earth for, the cross. It was in front of him. It was, the, it was this that, uh, that mattered most. And this is what was observed this was what was observed and said of Jesus at that crucial moment. These are not red letters from the Bible, uh, but these are the words of Luke by himself in observation, if you would, please. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. The purpose was before him, his purpose, the cross, all that was before Jesus was about us. Do you know that today? Brother Aaron, do you know that today? Brother Eric, do you know that today? Brother David, Sister Kim, you know that, Sister Debbie, everything about me, everything about you, all of us, the cross was about each one of us. And the word said that he set his face steadfastly his face was set. Nothing could distract him. Nothing would hold sway that would keep him from that place, from that purpose, the cross that was before him. Look at this, if you would, please. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The purpose of God, the purpose of God for our life is revealed and fulfilled by obedience to his word and his will. It is simple as that. My purpose for being here was his purpose. He set his face for you and I. Now I must set my face for him. Uh, should it not be the same for each of us this day that just like Jesus, our face is set. Our purpose is settled. We, we have a life to live for him. A word that keeps us from wandering. A word that keeps us from being fatherless. A word that gives us a name. As a matter of fact, the apostle said we have been given a better word. And should it not be that if a book was written of our life, it would be said of you and I 
that our face was set. Tati, should it not be that if a book was written about you and a book was written about me and everybody else in this place, that somewhere in the epitaph of our life, at the end of it all, somebody would look back and say, you know what? Their face was set. They had made up their mind. They put their hand to the plow and they didn't look back. They didn't turn around. That, that we knew our purpose, that, that the Father gave us his name and that we were never abandoned, that we were never alone. We were never an orphan, that, that, that he never left us. And in fact, we never left him. <laughs> that others would see in us what needs to be in them, that we are not wandering in a world that is lost and trying to find what feels like home, that, that our children would rise up, uh, mothers in the house, that uh, Proverbs 31, mothers, that your children would rise up and call you blessed. Why? Fathers, that they would rise up and say, I have a father. Why? Because they have a father that, that said on Sunday morning, you know what we're doing this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning hereafter, we're going to church. And this is who we are and this is what we believe. And as simple as it may be, when you put that little quarter or 50 cent or dollar in that child's hand for Sunday school, they, they grip it and they take it back there and you're teaching them how to give. And when you walk into the church, you teach them this is a place that we pray. And this is a place that we respect. Everybody still okay? Say amen. And uh, you, you, you tell them that, that this is how we worship and you show them how to worship and you teach them how to call on the name of Jesus. Why? Because that's who we are. That's where our face has been set. It's not a question. Brother Trace, there's not a question in our mind. I know in whom I have believed. I know how to endure because I, uh, Camden, I, I know what's in my heart. I know, I know, I know, I know that this is the truth and nothing's going to shake me from it because there is an enemy at work in our world right now that is attempting to shake everything that you believe. He has targeted your mind, Brother Steve. He's coming to you, inundating you with questions and doubts and fears and trying to tell you it's not real and it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you today, that is the very base lie of the enemy. You cannot stop believing. I've set my face. I've set my face. I've made up my mind. I'm determined. That must be the clarion call for everyone. That others would see it on us, what needs to be in, be in them. And that we're not just wandering around in this world lost, trying to find a home. Hear, hear me, someone, as they begin to sing. Don't live another day confused. Don't live, live another day alone and wandering about and feeling no reason and no rhyme in your life, unfulfilled. That is not God's will for your life. It is not God's will for your life that you just keep wandering around, that you just keep wondering, is it real? Uh, should I or should I not believe? Should I or should I not live for him? You must live for him. His purpose was for you, and he has life for every one of us. He has a home here at this place, at this church, for you. And be saved by the Father this day. He has, he has come. He looked and he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The goodness and the greatness of the creator of all creation said that he would step aside from his heavenly throne and come to where you are. Oh, the Father's love. How much he loves us. Brother Buddy, I, I cannot fathom that in my mind that God loves me enough that he would come to where I am. But he does. He is here to save you. There is nothing more important than that. Would somebody lift their hands and hearts right now and begin to pray all over this house as we agree together that right now, come on, there's nothing more important than you and I being saved. There's nothing more important than we recognize we have a father. There's nothing more important than you finding a home here, than you finding a life that will never change, that will never diminish. Come on, this is your hope. This is your life. This is the reason. This is the thing that you've been looking for. You, you ask God to give you an answer. 
Here's the answer today. His name is Jesus and he is in this house. Come on, as we stand to our feet all over this house and people begin to make their way to the altar. Come on, somebody warm the altar with me right now and, and let it be that you feel the Holy Ghost and, and you're praying through to it. And come, if you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit, this is the moment. You've been praying for an answer. This is the place you can find.